computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Exceptionalism podcast. I am your host for the day, Tim. Tom is not here with us, but we are going to take advantage of his absence and have me push some data agenda. Um, this is going to be one of those podcasts that uh, if, you're, if you're one of the people on Twitter or Reddit who are like, oh, you look at stats too much, this is not going to be the podcast for you. But this will be a pod where we dig into some data of a specific type when to use it when not to use it what the different you know types of stats are that that are useful um and that grouping of of stats is going to be impact metrics or you might hear them called all-in-one metrics or catch-alls which i don't really like the name of i think those imply uh a little bit too much precision or or like this is the end-all be-all which is not the case these these are estimates um but impact metrics, so like our LeBron stat at B-Ball Index, or ESPN's real plus minus, or box plus minus, or even PER or win shares, these are different stats that are all trying to estimate how impactful a player is. For most of them, on a per 100 possession basis, with zero being averaged. average. Now, uh, something like PER is actually, it was designed, and I didn't know this until recently, so that the scale of it is supposed to mirror points per game scale in terms of what is good and what is bad. Like 15 is average for that stat. I guess at the time, 15 was average for like points per game in the NBA or what we'd consider an average player. So that one's a little bit different, but the rest of them are saying like, all right, if you're a plus 0.8, it means per 100 possessions, we expect to have the team at the team level be generating 0.8 points uh, more value compared to an average player. And that's not just from scoring, it's it's everything all together. With these stats, keep in mind they're all estimates. So if there's a, one guy's a, a 3.51 and another's a 3.52, that doesn't mean anything. Like, it doesn't matter. They're so close that it doesn't matter if it's a, a 2.2 versus a 2.3. They're so close. Um, rankings... For a lot of things can be good. Rankings for impact metrics is really, really like filing through things that are, are very similar for a lot of guys. And it, it may not paint the right picture. So it's something we try to stay away from. Since these are all estimates, it's a much better idea to be tiering players, which is something we did this past year at B-Ball Index with our LeBron metrics. Uh, LeBron metric and is something we'll look to continue doing in the future. It's it's kind of like fantasy football where if you're looking pre-draft at, you know, five wide receivers that are all projected to score within like a point of each other over the course of an entire season, the exact ranking of those guys doesn't really matter because they're all ex around the same range. So tiering players is important. It helps us find meaningful differences in, in the level of performance from guys and is something just in general that is a good principle to have is go with tiers over rankings and try to not use rankings all that much when you're when you're leveraging impact metrics. 
Now I'd say there are two or I guess three different kinds of impact metrics. There are ones that look just at the box score. There are ones that look just at the like on off or plus minus side of things. And then there are ones that use both. When it comes to the box score side, some of them literally are, are the box score. Points, rebounds, assists, block steals, all that, plus minus. Uh, or, I mean, that's part of the box score. But that so, those sorts of stats only capture what they capture. They miss a lot of context. And that's why a lot of the newer stats are using tracking data, which we only have since 2013, 2014. So you can't go compare LeBron James with Michael Jordan. But it'll allow us to do things like, instead of just looking at threes overall, look at catch-and-shoot threes versus pull-up threes. That adds value. Now, at the team level, being able to have like shot quality on all these threes is an additional layer of value that, on the public side, we, we don't quite have as much of. So that is kind of the next evolution there. But going from box score to tracking data is a step forward in terms of the quality of the data that we're using. Now, how you handle all of this matters a lot. If you don't deal with sample sizes well, or if you're trying to say certain stats matter more than they do, or you're weighing things incorrectly, that's going to end up with bad or wonky results. And that's the case whether you're not using good data or bad data or awesome data, how you approach things and, and your ability to really have good principles and, and put things together, how you handle it, how you uh, deal with the data you have available to you really, really matters. And this is something that was important to us when putting together LeBron. So that's the box score side. On the uh, plus minus side of the house, on the on off side, you're basically looking at different super evolved versions of on off net rating. Like when LeBron's on the court, the team is 15 points per 100 possessions better than when he's off the court. There, <laughs> with something like that, there's so many of those, like, hey, what about sorts of questions. Uh, like, hey, you know, when he comes out and another guy goes in, how good is that other guy? Does that impact things? Is it like his, you know, his backup stinks? Or maybe his backup's really good and that makes him look not as good as he could look. Or, hey, you know, what about the quality of the teammates he's playing with? Uh, or maybe, you know, are they good? Are they great? Are they awful? What about the guys he's playing against? Is it garbage time, weak competition? Is it really strong competition? Like, that matters. And that impacts things like on-off net rating, which is why we shouldn't really be using it what about uh let's say i'm shooting free throws you found you found me i'm shooting two free throws i miss the first free throw and then tom checks into the game you check out of the game you're sitting on the bench and then i make that second free throw you now on the bench <laughs> you're not getting that that minus one that you would have gotten if you stayed in the game and tom he checks into the game didn't do anything had nothing to do with it, but he immediately gets a minus one on his plus minus just from checking into the game as I'm shooting free throws. So little things like that, little substitution pattern things play a role and need to be adjusted for. So as much as I wish we could have a very simple like, hey, this is exactly how we calculate it. And it's very easy for everybody to understand. You lose value if you try to go too simple. So what I think is more important is understanding the principles behind what's happening, understand what is adjusted for and what's not adjusted for, and evaluating from there and knowing that like, hey, I can use the stat and I can use the stat well to aid my analysis, aid how I'm looking at the game, do you know, argue with my with my siblings or my teammates or my, my classmates or random people on Twitter. You don't need to literally go be able to set the stat up yourself and, and calculate it in order to be able to use it. That's something a lot of people point to 
when they just don't want to, you know, let things into the argument that are going to lose them the argument. It's like, oh, well, if you can't calculate it, how can you use it? Come on. We, we're, we're, we got to be better than that. So there are a lot of these math techniques we can use to try to account for these different, hey, like, hey, what about sorts of things. And we'll cover a couple more later, but that's what we're trying to get at with an impact metric. It's an estimate of impact. It is not talent. It is for this player in your role within your scheme and the lineup you're in. How important are you to the team's success? We're adjusting for a lot of important variables, but even then it's still an estimate and using tiers over rankings is really important. And then as we're going through some of the metrics available, understanding which use which types of data and which techniques can really help you parse out maybe which ones to use or which ones uh, you know, are, are a little bit older or might have been obsolete. So just keep that in mind. Now, now that we know kind of what these are for and, and what goes into them at a high level, let's take a look at what's out there. What are your options? There are some public ones. The teams have their own uh, private ones. There are some private ones that, you know, public groups have. But there were 13 publicly available stats that were recently analyzed in an article on Hoops Hype by Brian Kobrowski. In his article, wasn't him, it wasn't, hey, you know, journalist Brian saying this is what's best and here's what's not as good. It was him not just like going to the people who created the metrics. It was him going to NBA executives, him going to NBA, you know, heads of analytics departments or people who used to be heads of analytics departments and asking them, hey, here are these 13, which, which is your favorite? Which do you trust? Which are you neutral on? Which don't you trust? And what comments do you have? And from that, we got a, a bunch of interesting quotes from, you know, people saying, I don't trust anything <laughs> or other ones saying like, hey, these are, you know, good and getting better. But the ones we have privately are even, you know, they're the best. Um, I would say I, I, my, my one piece of input with if these are good or not is, I mean, there are literally teams. I can't say which ones, but there are teams that pay to have our LeBron statistic, you know, sent directly to them on a daily basis that they're using to make decisions. So there is value that these these teams see. Some of the teams, some of the other ones, not as much um, in certain statistics. So teams are looking at this. People on the internet are looking at this to, to go argue or evaluate players. Um, but among those 13, seeing how they rank out and looking at the different tiers of the results, I think it was really interesting and, and hits at, you know, it's, it's a good conversation starter. So if we're just to look at the results kind of tier by tier and uh, based on, so Brian published, you know, here's how many people liked or trusted, didn't trust, neutral, favorite for each of these. I tallied that all up and was able to just kind of put it into a graphic, throw some color coding on it so it was easy for me to, you know, interpret. And then from there, there were some pretty clear cutoffs for different tiers of stats. The bottom two tiers, um, the, the very bottom tier was... Uh, the PER stat, player efficiency rating, which back in its day was was a nice stat that that was really pushing dialogue forward. But you know, in 2021, we've we've got more data, we've got better data, we have new uh, techniques to handle the data, and we've moved beyond it for the most part. And we see this in the results. So seven people were neutral on this one. 22 said they distrusted it, and zero people said it was their favorite or that they trusted it. PIE PI is another one that was in this bottom tier. It, it was another 20 people distrusted it. Nine said they were neutral. This is one that's on uh, the nba.com slash stats site. If we go into the, so, so 
if we're going to say a plus one is trust, minus one is distrust, plus two for favorite, those two were minus 22 and a minus 20. This next here were ones that were from minus five to minus 12. So a different, different grouping of stats. We have win shares per 48 minutes, which 14 people distrusted. One said was their favorite and zero said they just trusted it. Um, I have no idea who said it was their favorite. I'm guessing that was a non-data executive person. Um, that's in there. FIC, which I, I, I do not know what that is. Uh, simple rating is another one I, I'm not familiar with. And then WPA, win probability added. That's another one that, you know, I've seen. I don't really utilize all that much. That one's looking at like, you know, this basket went in. So based on the time and the score and the teams playing, you added 1%, you know, your team's chance of winning went up 1%, which is a cool idea. It's not quite the same as the rest of these. It's almost a different type of stat. Um, it's a good descriptive one, I think. From a predictive standpoint, it doesn't quite seem to align with a lot of these others. And we see... For, for three of those four stats, um, win shares per 48 was kind of torn between neutrality and distrusting it. And then the other three is just overwhelmingly neutral. Not really trust. Nobody's trusting those, but nobody's really hating them. Um, then we get into the middle tier, which is ESPN's RPM metric, real plus minus. This is one that used to be really good. And uh, the people who created it left ESPN. They got new people in the door, recreated a new stat, and it is not the same. And we see that in the results. There, there are some really, really wonky results. And, and really with any of these, you're going to see some of the top players at the top. Like, hey, LeBron's really good in this on, on offense. Rudy Gobert's good on defense. That doesn't necessarily mean you can trust it. It's For certain guys, it's really hard to do enough things wrong that you're going to see uh, like the, the best players not not at the top. But with RPM, I think it's interesting where this one was placed because every stat to this point, the, the bottom two tiers of six statistics, are only using box score stats. RPM is using tracking data, not just box score stats, and then it's also using advanced on-off calculations. And yet it is performing lower than RAPM, regularized adjusted plus minus, which is the the on off the advanced on off calculation that goes into a lot of these metrics that look at the on off and the box score. So so we have the box score only stats, which are the bottom six here, in in BPM, which is which is right above RPM, and then we have the on off only, which is RAPM, and then we have the stats that use both sides, which are. The, the three in the top tier, and then we have Raptor in our second tier, and then RPM in the third tier below box plus minus, which is only box score data, and below RAPM, which is that advanced on off data. So for RPM to be that low, it means that whatever they're putting into their box score side of things is worse than if you were to just have like nothing, um, which isn't a good sign. I, there must, they must have a coding error or something there. I, I hope they can figure that one out because they have a huge platform and people use use that stat. It's not one I trust currently. It's not one I utilize. But if and when they fix it, I'm, I'm all aboard. But so, so back to what we're looking at. We've got RPM in its own kind of tier. Two people said it was their favorite. 11 said they distrusted it. Eight were neutral and eight said they trusted it. So overall, it had a plus one score. So it was Pretty neutral, lots of disagreement among the respondents, but it was more negative than positive, but for a couple people, it really was their favorite metric. Above that, and getting into our second tier, we have three stats, 
all with a score of plus 12 to plus 13. So really chunked together. And we have BPM, box plus minus, pretty straightforward. This is, you know, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, we know what it does. We know what's not part of it. It is just that box score data, but it's treating that box score data pretty well. And 13 people were neutral, 11 trusted it, three distrusted it, and then two said it was their favorite. Above that, we have that RAPM, the regularized adjusted plus minus. This is the stat that just on its own is the one that's adjusting for teammate quality, opponent team, opposing team quality on the lineup level, and then those substitution patterns and no box score stats. Uh, it really just looking at that plus minus data. Zero people said it was their favorite, but it was very strongly trusted. 15 said they trusted it, 12 were neutral, only two distrusted it. And this, it, it, the fact that it has the, like almost the most people trusting it, but nobody said it was their favorite makes sense to me because it's, it's what is a foundational piece of a lot of these other metrics that rated higher than it. it. It by itself on a single year basis isn't the best place to go, but it is a good place to build off of. And that single year on off data, just the sample size isn't large enough, even for the guys playing a bunch of minutes to really have a, a precise view of players performance. But starting with this and then adding in a box score side of things helps get you to those, those more accurate metrics. So that's why we see it rate as highly as it does. And then just above that, also in the second tier with a plus 13 score is Raptor, 538 statistic. Um, I forget what Raptor stands for, but it's uh, another one that uses tracking data to get a plus minus. Uh, they have an on-off portion. They do not use RAPM calculations, I don't believe. So they will run into some of the issues when it comes to uh, like teammate or opposing team strength substitution patterns. That's something that with how 538 does their metric can, can lead to some wonky results. And this is interesting to me because of every set on here, this one has seen really the like flattest results. Six said it was their favorite, which ties for second of all the metrics. Seven distrusted it which is the most by far of any stat in the top two tiers. Um, and then eight trusted it, eight were neutral. So overall, 14 people between trusting it and having it as their favorite trusted it, but there were also a bunch of people that distrusted it. So that one's an interesting one to me. And uh, then heading into the top tier, there are three stats. We have LeBron and EPM, estimated plus minus. LeBron is our stat at B-Ball Index. EPM is from dunksin3s.com. Those two, depending on how you grade things out, were second or third or third or second. Uh, EPM had more people saying it was their favorite, six to four, six versus four. Um, overall, people total trusting the stats. LeBron was higher. Uh, both of them are relatively new. So I, over time, the amount of people who are neutral here, I think will kind of disperse to one side or the other. But for, you know, for now, 18 trusted LeBron, 17 trusted EPM, but a couple more people had EPM as their favorite versus LeBron. Um, and I'm interested to see how that'll change over time as as we continue, continue to see how these perform. And I mean, it certainly helps EPM that that uh, Taylor, who put, who put that metric together, did a nice cool analysis, which more groups should do that evaluated the accuracy of it. And at the time, LeBron wasn't a stat, but EPM graded out higher than a lot of these stats that we've covered already that are below it. So it is up here for good reason. It uses tracking data and uses tracking data well. I think especially on the offensive side of things. Defensively, I think it's good. Um, and then we've got LeBron who we're not using tracking data. We're, we're using box score data. We're using the on-off data, but we're treating the data about as, as well as we know how to treat the data. We're trying to best practice and utilize all the techniques 
that other metrics on here are using and, and make the most of what we have. And we've seen pretty good results from that. Then we go to the top metric, rating out with a plus 25, eight favorites, 10 said they trusted it, 10 were neutral, one distrusted it, and that is DPM, which is daily plus minus, utilizing the Darko statistic. Um, and this is a really cool one. It is not a single year stat. So if you're trying to grade out MVPs or things like that, or even just say who's been most impactful this season, it is not the place to go. What it, where it is the place to go is if you want to look broader than that. If you want to say, hey, for every player in the NBA, looking at every game in their career and weighing the, the more recent results more, uh, who, you know, big picture is, is playing the best right now. So if a guy has a down year compared to his, his past, you're going to see DPM have that player graded out a little bit higher than some of these other ones because it's lagging a little bit because it has more of a sample size. It, it knows what happened last year, whereas LeBron's not looking at what happened last year. Um, and vice versa, if a guy has a breakout year, DPM might be a little bit slower on them, but it also does a really good job of recognizing when performance is trustworthy. And that's because with how Kosta Medvedovsky, who put this metric together, set it up and, and utilizing just great technology and like this thing runs on its own server, there's a lot of cool stuff going into it. It's looking at every player that's played in the NBA for years and years and years and looking at trends and saying, all right, well, when a player's three-point shooting suddenly goes up for, for this amount of time, do we trust it? When do we trust it? When is it noise? When is it a blip versus when is it real improvement? So just from learning, really that machine learning of all of this information uh, allows DPM to really sort through what's true and what's just noise and that i think is really really cool and what has led to it being first on here um so it, from my perspective if i were to recommend stats to use of these 13 i don't use the bottom six at all i don't use rpm I, i'm keeping an eye out for for when they make some changes there but i do not use that bpm and rapm i mean they're they're good but we've got some better ones so i don't really leverage those raptors one i don't quite trust um, and then the top three are the ones I really leverage, DPM, EPM, and LeBron. If I'm looking single year, I use EPM and LeBron. If I'm looking for like bigger picture, I'll use DPM. Uh, so that's, I mean, my perspective, it aligns fairly well with those results. And really the, the one that I'm a little bit lower on than those results were was 538's Raptors statistic, which I still think is, is pretty good. Um, another way to look at these stats is through testing either utilizing these metrics to model out game performance from like a gambling standpoint, which is something that has been done in comparing each of them or by modeling out how well these statistics uh, perform, you know, from one year to the next. And through each of those two rounds of testing, which are very different, but had very similar results, which I thought was interesting. We see those results online really, really well with how this survey turned out, which I think is neat. So at least among that data population, those executives or those data heads or those, those folks answering in that, that survey, it appears as though the results we're seeing there match up pretty well with from an accuracy standpoint, how these metrics grade out. So I thought that was pretty cool. The one that did perform a good bit lower than in the survey was 538's Raptor metric. Um, RPM was also a little bit lower, but for the most part, that's it's, it's a pretty close to a carbon copy there. And then I think the last thing here with these is like this list 
either in the accuracy or, or the survey would have looked pretty different five years ago. It's going to look different five years from now. We have more data. People have, have tried and learned and found new and better techniques. Things becoming old, becoming obsolescent, becoming like lower tech compared to other ones isn't bad. That That's progress. That's us getting better. That's us getting more accurate. And that doesn't mean that these stats that were even like lower on this list weren't great, you know, moves in the right direction at the time. They weren't the best stat at the time. Like hopefully five years from now, LeBron's lower on this list because we've got newer, better stats. Um, and I mean, at, at B-Ball Index, we're currently working on an improvement of our LeBron statistic, uh, which by the way, stands for luck adjusted player estimate using a box prior regularized on off. Uh, we're, we're working on a version of that uses tracking data to make it more accurate. So, you know, it's a constant, you know, constant progress moving forward as we get new data or learn new techniques. Um, and, and that's just really, really how things lay right now. With LeBron's statistic, or specifically, in a, I'll just, I guess, quickly cover some of the techniques going into it. We luck adjust our data. So if there are things that we know from, from analyzing results for years and years are coin flips, and we know over time, if you put enough coin flips together, there will be certain guys that are really lucky or really unlucky, and that's going to impact how they turn out in these stats. It's a good idea to replace the actual results with expected results. Um, so that that comes into play when it's something like, I don't know, how other teams shoot on their free throws when I'm in the game versus out of the game. If, if you know, adjusting for the quality of shooters, suddenly the other team is shooting really, really good on free throws when I'm standing out there at the block, not doing anything. And when I'm out of the game, they start breaking shots way more often. I have nothing to do with that, but that can make my plus minus look way worse than it should. So that's one of several examples we can point to of why luck adjusting data can be really important and help us kind of sort through some of the noise and information that you'll get even on full year-long samples. Another thing that we do is we use a technique that Costa, who, who put together Darko and DPM, came up with or he, he came up with an iteration of uh on the basketball side and baseball has been using this in different ways and there are different things different ways to like stabilize data or or padding data is the approach he uses where you take the actual performance of a player and then you infuse it with a like estimated average performance um and this is really important with in-season accuracy and this is something we do with lebron um for example with like three-point shooting so like if a guy starts out and he's shooting 50% on threes a week into the season, do we trust that? <laughs> like, what, at, at what volume do we start to trust what's happening? And with the padding approach, if you've taken, I don't know, 20 threes, and then we infuse it with another 100 threes at an average sample, your like overall three-point percentage in the stat isn't going to be too high or too low because you started out really hot early in the year. So this is something that helps with in-season accuracy. And in order to come up with the volume of that expected performance, we use what Costa put together, his, his testing, what his testing found. And then in terms of the expected performance, there are a couple ways to do it. You could do the league average, which is what he's done. You can use positional averages, which I think is a little bit better. I think you can use uh, roles, which is what we do. So an example of why roles can be better than using positions is for centers. If Dwight Howard and Marcus all, we're trying to predict how good they're going to be on threes for the rest of the year. One of them doesn't shoot threes at all. He is a roll and cut big. That is Dwight Howard. The other one, Marcus all 
last season and in seasons past, shoots a lot of threes. He's a stretch big. That's how he's used. And expecting the two players in that situation to shoot the same percentage on threes moving forward doesn't make sense because how they're being used and how their coaches are trusting them doesn't align with that. So leveraging, you know, trusting the the coaching staffs to use players and roles that make sense for them is part of how we fill in the blank when we're trying to adjust for small samples of data with this approach. Also with LeBron, we, we use those RAPM calculations I covered earlier. So we, we check off substitution pattern issues or teammate or opposing team strength quality at a lineup level. So through LeBron, those are some of the major techniques utilized uh, to adjust the data and take care of a lot of the, the weird situations that can result in wonky results. But I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's nothing super, super complicated. It's, I mean, certainly hard to put together, but it's based off of research. It's based off of things that other people have done in the past, like the luck adjusting is something Jacob Goldstein, who, who worked at, at B-Ball Index with me before going to the Washington Wizards, put into his uh, PIPM stat, his player impact plus minus stat. Um, that used luck adjustments. It didn't use RAPM calculations. It didn't adjust for roles. But it, that one element was something we're like, that's a great, really good idea. Let's utilize that. And then there are other stats. Some of them don't use RAPM calculations. Some of them do. And we're like, those RAPM calculations, they add value. We're going to use that. When it comes to stabilizing small samples, a lot of them don't. Some of them do. Uh, we thought Costa's approach with, with Darko and, and DPM was the best of, of those different possible approaches. So we leverage that. So it's really learning from others and growing and just continuing to move forward and try new things. And that's where we went with LeBron. And I think the next step is to put something together like LeBron that uses those techniques just with tracking data, which is what we're working on now and literally today. So that's really how things lay out. Hopefully you leave this not with your eyes completely glazed over, but having an idea for like, what these stats are, what goes into them among the different options out there. Maybe you have a better feel for which ones to, to leverage in your next article or podcast or, or discussion uh, you know, with teammates or on Twitter. And, and I hope this was value added. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I can, I mean, reach out at any point. Go, go read that article from Brian on Hoopsype and you'll get all the info on more of what goes into each of these stats who created them, where you can find them. And I, I think that will really help set you up to, to be able to find this stuff and utilize this stuff. Um, well, I guess one last note, just averaging everything together isn't a great idea to me. Um, especially if you're just saying like, ah, oh, well, I don't know the difference between these 13 stats, so I'm just going to throw them all together. <sighs> that's, that's not a great approach partially because these aren't on the same scale as each other in some instances, but then also like the value you have from some of the more accurate runs can be kind of negated by using some of the more obsolete ones. So if you have a core like three or four that you know are pretty accurate, averaging together the like Z scores or, or like relative performance in those stats uh, among the ones you trust and know are accurate can be value add. Um, but just averaging everything all together, just throwing it all in one big pot isn't, isn't the best way to approach this data. So keep that in mind. Tiers over rankings, all that stuff. 
that is it for today. Hopefully this is some good evergreen content. I'll refer people to if they ever ask about LeBron or ask about impact metrics. Um, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Tim underscore NBA. Follow Tom at Creative Destroyer. And we will see you next time on the Lakers Exceptionals Podcast. Take care, y'all.